Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister, it's actually the Psychic Hour, and I'm so excited. This is Katie Weaver, and Christy is still on vacation, but I have a very special guest tonight. I cannot wait to introduce her to all of you. I met this beautiful soul on TikTok. Well, I met her. She didn't meet me, but <laughs> I've been following her on TikTok for, gosh, I'll bet a year, and listening to her lovely stories and uh uplifting stuff and all of the heartwarming tales she has to tell working as a hospice nurse and you guys know our background you know how special hospice is to us and so i'm very excited to welcome nurse hadley welcome to the show thank you so much i'm so happy to be here i'm so glad you are here we of course are also in the chat room so if you guys want to come and post a comment or visit with us please do so that's uh Kind of the way this kind of show goes, it's pretty interactive. So, hello, JR. Good to see you. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun night. And if you guys have questions or comments about hospice, anything you want to, uh, you know, <laughs> ask Hadley about, please do. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that what you're doing is normalizing death and dying. Yeah, that's what I try to do. It's a weird thing in our society that, I mean, everyone dies. And mm -hmm. yet we treat it as such a weird taboo thing and mm -hmm. such a scary thing. And, you know, it is, it sucks, but at the same time, it does happen. And we have to find our way through that. I think that conversations, healthy conversations about death and dying are invaluable to yeah. people, especially people that were raised in a family where it was fear-based, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of people, are like that and you know it's not as scary as it as it seems but yeah, yeah. someone said the unknown and I do I do yeah mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's what a lot of people you know fear yeah and I hope that you know through my stories and stuff that I can help people at least know what to expect on this side of things at least take away the unknown of that you know yes absolutely absolutely it is definitely I mean it's such a it's such a sacred job, you know, to work in the, the uh, capacity of helping people to cross and helping their families, because I would imagine that within that space of helping your patient, you also have a lot of family support going on. Yeah. You're talking about with the patients. Yeah. Patient yeah. Family. It's really taking care of them like as much as it is the patient sometimes, you know, it sometimes I spend more time talking to them than I do like actually caring for the patient. It's as much of the job as anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> when my dad died, he was on hospice for nine months. And when he died, uh, for the longest time, he didn't need much. You know, the nurse would come a couple of times a week and then he got to where he needed more. He was on a fentanyl pump. He had uh, prostate cancer in the bone 
And so mm-hmm. it, was, it was painful, but it didn't mm-hmm. really get very painful until like the last three months of his life. And they just kept upping the fentanyl and upping the fentanyl. And the doctor told us at one point that he was on five times a lethal dose because <laughs> they had to start mixing it at a special place and sending it to us in these big backpacks, these enormous yeah. bags. And so the nurse had come and she had hooked him up and, or, you know, changed his bag and whatever. And my sister was in charge of him that night. And he was hallucinating and, you know, pretty wild at that point. And he leaped out of bed and he yanked his port out. Mm. And in the course of doing that, the fentanyl just went everywhere, all over mm-hmm. the bed. It was like a gallon or not, probably not quite that oh, much, wow. maybe a half gallon. It was a lot. And it just went everywhere, all over. And so, of course, my sister is panicking. And what do I do? And she ran out to the living room to grab her phone to call the nurse as the nurse burst in the front door. And so we hadn't called her. And literally, she'd left like 10 minutes before. So she burst in the front door and she said, what happened? <laughs> she says, you know, he pulled his board out. There's fentanyl everywhere. It's a disaster. And she said, I got like three blocks away and I heard the loudest voice in my head. And I know it was your mom because my parents died 18 months apart. So we talked about mom a lot. And, you know, she knew our situation. She said, I know it's your mom. It was Marianne. And she told me, go back right now. Something's wrong. So she was, it was amazing that she was right there. So that she yeah. could, you know, reseat the port and, you know, hook him back up to his jazz. And it was insane. But I was so blown away by the fact that she knew. We didn't That's have to crazy. call her. She knew. Yeah. And was right there. It was an amazing experience. But I know that you have had a pile of amazing experiences, too. <laughs> so yeah. I want to talk about them. Before we do that, though, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about what you have been up to. So you are a hospice nurse, yeah, but you're also a mom of two. I am. You just bought a new house that you guys have been doing all kinds of. I did, stuff yes. <laughs> it's a very old house, but new to us, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the best kind of house. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. <laughs> and you are a TikTok star. Yes, I will say star because you have really <laughs> no to call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you won't call it that, so I will. <laughs> and. You also have a YouTube and an Instagram. Mm-hmm. You're working on a book. I am. And you have a big dream. And I want to talk about your big dream because it's such an amazing concept. So tell us about your big dream. Yeah. So um, being in hospice, like I have to give the backstory as to what currently it looks like. And, it, you know, as a caregiver, it's difficult, especially nine months. I mean, it, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sounds like you had some family, but yeah. some people are just doing it themselves. Yeah. And especially like spouses who don't, when they don't have kids, which is kind of what we're like trending towards, you know, in America. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot more of these situations. Sure. And um, they are offered respite care and mm-hmm. they are not told what that really is. And I don't like it, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And basically what respite care right now is going into a nursing home for five days and you can stay right now with COVID. They won't even let people stay. And before that uh, they were letting people stay and you sleep um, in a chair for five days. Mm -hmm. And that's not a, that's not a break. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the resetting 
that you need as a caregiver because you can't pour from an empty cup is kind of how I see it. Yeah. And so my big dream is to really reshape that and mm-hmm. what respite care is to be an actual break for a caregiver where they actually mm-hmm. have a bed to sleep in and they actually have someone caring for their loved one where they're not like it's a nurse with 40 other patients where they're having to go get them every yeah. few minutes. And, you know, it's, it's an actual break because the other thing that we're seeing is that people will not leave their loved ones. They, they will not um, go home and sleep, which is really what that's meant for. Yeah. Um, They won't do it. Their guilt won't let them. No, Mm -mm. no. Yeah. Um, They just, they won't. And I don't blame them because usually when we're needing this, they're near the end of their life because that's when it's the hardest, as you know, you just said that to care for someone And they are not going to risk them dying and them not being there. And I don't blame them. No, no, I wouldn't either. I, I don't think you would either. Yeah. We'd Mm -hmm. we'd be there. Yeah. So I really want to totally reshape that idea and it'd be Mm -hmm. like an actual like house and you get your own room and your loved one is either in the bed next to you or the next room. Mm -hmm. And they have like an actual person assigned to them. Yeah. And it's like much more of a break, almost like an Airbnb yes. kind of deal. So yeah, that's my big dream. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. I, you know, unsolicited psychic reading, you'll get that. You're going to get there on that. I Thank feel like you. you're going to have some amazing help come out of the woodworks to go. This needs to happen. Yep. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, I, my daughter working as a CNA has done a lot of yeah. respite like that. And she always, um, yeah, shared sen- similar sentiments that it was uh, not fair for the families. It, it wasn't a rest and mm-hmm. it actually sucks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. And they're kind of stuck between like a rock and a hard place. Cause it's like, okay, I know I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, I need some help, but like, this yeah. isn't what I wanted. And to be totally upfront, um, the daily rate from the government is $800 a day and they're paying it for a nursing home. And to me, it's just like, that's not right. That's not what they should be, you know, paying for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I don't mind to be nonprofit though, not with the government, but still. Yeah, Yeah, of course. That's better. Yes. Well, I love it. Well, I just can't wait. I'm just going to keep watching you because we know you're going to get there on that. Thank you. <laughs> I want to take a minute and welcome everybody in the chat. I stalled yeah, a little. There's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I stalled a little because I knew you guys would uh, be trickling in. So I want to say hi to JR and Kat and Oriana and Grunge Truck and Sid and Jacqueline and Kat. I, Kat, I said hi to you twice. That was a double. <laughs> and Coopers and Aaron and RJ and Tracy. And everyone else that's listening that I haven't seen pop up in here yet. And everyone that's listening to an archive, a replay, or of course, uh, to be on the, um, you know, the podcast later on. So, oh, and Trish and Mouth of the South. Thanks for being here, guys. So as always, we ask the big question, the hard hitting question on the Psychic Hour. What did y'all have for dinner? I know you did something better than me because I haven't made dinner yet. (laughs) I I haven't decided about tacos, though. Yes, I had red beans and rice, and it was very good. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad. Yes. 
So, and you live in Louisiana, right? I do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Girl. It's yeah. real good down here. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Ah, cheeseburgers, mouth of the South. That's always an easy one. That's always a good plan around here because we've had the super hot summer, like way hotter than usual. And nobody wants to cook a damn thing, you know. No. <laughs> oh, RJ had McDonald's. I hear that, RJ. I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately, our, our Taco Bell is uh, closed for uh, remodels, so mm. we don't have much going. Oh, Oriana had leftover pizza. I'm guessing you guys don't have much going. Okay, Coopers, we're all coming over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Greek salad and bruschetta. We're coming. <laughs> Yum. Well, good. Oh, leftover crepes. You had leftover crepes? Nice. Impressive. Fancy. Right? <laughs> Somebody's doing it right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, you guys, thanks for being here. So... Uh, so Hadley, I wanted to share a couple of things from your website and you guys, if you're interested, her website is nurse Hadley and Hadley is H A D L E Y. So nursehadley.com. Your intro is so sweet. You said I'm a nurse and content creator near New Orleans, Louisiana, Los Angeles. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I help others by inspiring them to live their life to the absolute fullest and encouraging honest conversations about healthcare and mom life. And I just thought that was a great description of what you've been up to. It's thank you. You're, you're very inspiring. I hope that you know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Now there is a segment to your website that is so cute. This is advice to the next generation. And it is an opportunity for people to share their advice. And then also you have it organized into different segments so that you can take a look at, uh, you know, advice from older people and what they would want you to know. And I think that's brilliant because uh, we don't know shit. <laughs> and so hearing it out of the mouths of older people, I think is pretty brilliant. There was one that I wanted to share because it's so sweet. This was in the happiness and purpose segment from a patient who was 107 years old said the secret to a good long life is eating and dancing. Oh, and wine. <laughs> I forgot okay, about that good. one. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I loved it. There's, there's so many. I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share them all because uh, you guys need to go over there and check it out. But uh, such a cute, I love the idea behind that. Do you ask your patients? Yeah, some of those are my patients. Mm -hmm. And it started by me going up to all my coworkers and saying, start asking your patients too and um once I got enough I made it and then I shared it on TikTok and then I started taking submissions from people nice. so now it's everything uh-huh wow that's so much fun I love it it's such a good idea I love the the respect that you have for not just the elderly because it's not just the elderly that end up in hospice but uh, you know people that are nearing the ends of their lives in, you know, recognizing the lives they've had because of, yes, they're your patient now. And this is kind of what's consumed them at this point, but they've had lives, they have had experiences, they have a lot to share. And I think you get the gift of getting to hear a lot of those things. Yeah, I'm incredibly lucky in that regard, especially being so young, you know, yeah. many people go into this later in their life, but yeah. I'm super lucky that I'm still in my 20s. And yeah 
they get to kind of shape my life, which uh-huh. is just amazing. Yeah, it is. Well, and you know, I, I TikTok a while back, you said something about that. Uh, oh, it was a cooking one where you were cooking oh. a, a special recipe. I'll let you talk about that. But you had said, uh, you know, that that particular couples kind of saw you as the granddaughter they never had. And I thought, I'll bet that a lot of your patients do that, actually. And kind of, you know, they do accept you as family. And most of them, I'm sure. And you might have the occasional uncomfortable one, but you know, uh, that's people. But <laughs> I yeah. think that's very true. But I would love it if you would share that story. It's so sweet. Yeah, um, that was a that was a recent patient. Um, so he was a chef for his entire life. And I always talked to him about it. And I always had the best smelling house because they actually made red beans and rice all the time. But nice. I have for dinner. And yeah. um, I would ask him about it all the time. And I'd ask him like his tips. And I remember telling him, I was like, I tried to make red beans and rice and it didn't go good. And he was like, what'd you do? And I told him and I was, he was like, wait, when did you soak the beans? And I was like, oh, I didn't. And he was like, oh my gosh, your poor husband. <laughs> it's like you have to soak them for like 24 hours I was like oh I guess I missed that step so he like (laughs) they were they were like rock hard it was not good so um when he passed his wife emailed me the recipe and said you know we don't we don't have another way to um pass this on but we thought that you might enjoy it and you know mm-hmm. we know he'll be smiling down on you if you make it for your family and kids and um it was it was really special to me that's awesome i love yeah. that thank you for sharing that you have a analogy for grief that involves a blue ball that i think is so brilliant i really love it i'm going to share it again or i'm going to share it forever because you know i talked to lots of grieving families that i thought it was so brilliant uh tell me what your theory is I love it yeah so you know you if you can imagine like grief is this huge ball when someone first passes and you have like a box around it and a button at the bottom Mm -hmm. so your grief ball at the beginning it's huge it takes up the entire box and it just continually presses that grief button it's just all consuming and over time that ball starts to shrink but as you move through life and it bounces around in the box every time it hits that grief button it's just as painful as that first time it ever happened but it's not all consuming and it's not all the time that you're feeling it but 12 years later it can hit that button when the ball is just this big and it's gonna feel just as bad as the second that your loved one passed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect analogy. And it's a good uh, reminder. I grief is kind of a sneaky jerk like that, you know, and someday when you think you're doing great, wham, kick in the face. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And as I, as I write my book, I mean, bringing it all back up, you think that you're fine and you go through life and then you're like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. It is a strange thing. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, I I think that when my mom died, somebody told me, you know, grief doesn't get better. It just gets different. And I was like, you jerk. Why would you say that to me? Oh, they were so right. You know, (laughs) over the years, I've I've learned that that's absolutely correct. It's okay. You know, the different is, is better in a sense, but boy, it never goes away. It'll always be with you. 
Yeah, and you know what someone commented that I actually loved um, was that they said, you know, maybe the grief ball doesn't shrink, but your life grows. So, like, the box grows. Oh, and I, I like, like that. that a lot. Mm -hmm. so. I like that, too. Mm -hmm. I also like the saying that grief is just love with nowhere to go. You I know, mean, that, that yes. resonates with me, too, on some level. Now, you lost your mother-in-law, like, right after you got married, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, my understanding of you is that that's, you know, a big part of what shaped your energy around grief and, and losing someone close. Yeah. Yeah. She was young. She was 56. Uh -huh. um, we knew she had brain cancer. So yeah. we knew um, when we got engaged. We planned our wedding very quickly yeah. so that she could be there. And I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Um, but yeah. she did. Yeah. She passed um, pretty soon after our wedding. And it was, it was weird to be on the other side of things. I'm sure it was. Yeah. But it made me a better nurse. It really did. I'm sure it did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely helps to have that empathy of really knowing how it feels to be standing in those shoes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. But you've been in hospice nursing most of your career? I have. Yeah. yeah. I've been a nurse coming up on six years and I've been a hospice nurse for five. Okay. Yeah. So I went into it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Well, it takes really special spirits to be able to do hospice. And so I, the world is grateful for you, I know. And I'm sure you have days where you wonder what the heck you're doing there. But I know you've had a lot of experiences, a lot of rewarding experiences, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've learned, you know, throughout my career that people don't really, like, hate me. They hate the situation they're in. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and death brings out the worst in some people, for sure, and families sometimes, and getting along and things. So I'm sure that you've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. One thing that you've shared quite a bit about that I think is really fun is people that are getting close, starting to talk to and about people who've already passed. Yeah. That's such an interesting phenomena. People across the globe experience that, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, I would love it if you'd share with us a few of uh, those experiences that really uh, touched you or grabbed you. Yeah, my um, actually my first hospice death. Um, I remember I came and was there for a while because her daughter needed a break, actually. Mm -hmm. And so they said, can you stay like a couple hours so she can sleep? Uh -huh. So I said, okay. And, you know, I'm just the, like the new nurse, so they don't have a use for me. So they're like, oh, yeah, I will send this girl to sit at the bedside for a couple hours. Nice. So I did. And this patient began to talk to me. And she kept telling me that she saw her deceased sister next to me. And, of course, you're like, oh, my gosh, what? But, of course, there's no one there. Uh -huh. And she kept telling me that and the conversations they had and that they were going on a trip that night. And I was like, Okay, so I called my manager because I was new to this, and I was like, yeah. "This person is hallucinating." <laughs> what? Sure. Okay. Why did you get her? Because that's what you do in the hospital, right? Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, she's not hallucinating. She's like, is she distressed? Is she seeing spiders? I'm like, what's going on? Is she fine? And I was like, she's talking to her dead sister. She's not fine. She's like, but is she like calm? Like, is she okay? And I was like, yeah. She's like, then let her, then let her talk to her. And she's like, you'll see. Like, that's what they, so they all say, all the hospice nurses that know, they're like, you'll see. And <laughs> so she 
told me all about the conversation. She's like, I know you think I'm crazy. I was like, I don't think you're crazy. I kind of did, but I told her mm. I didn't. <laughs> and so <laughs> her daughter woke up mm-hmm. and she came back in. She was like, have you seen your sister? Cause she was really annoyed with the, you know, just she was burnt out. Uh-huh. She was, but she was burnt out, you know, with that yeah. stuff. And I remember her looking right at me and saying to her daughter, no, I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her at all. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then she walked out of the room and she was like, she's over there in that corner. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So I was on call that night with another nurse. Mm-hmm. So and she said that she was going on a trip with her sister that yeah. night. She was talking to me. Like most people aren't like that. Right. Right. She's pretty lucid and conversational. Yeah. Yeah. Usually people are in a coma. Yeah. Before they pass. So I thought she was just full of it. Mm-hmm. So I get a call because um, she was about to pass. Yeah. Like she had gone to that stage very quickly. Yeah. So the daughter had called us. So we get in there and she passes after a little bit. And I like turn around to go get my nursing bag. And mm-hmm. they had like all the um, cam lights, you know, yeah. and that one area that she had pointed to. Mm-hmm. burnt out like as soon as I turned around like right when she passed <laughs> and I was like what the heck but like, <laughs> no one else had heard this no one else you know what I mean like I was just yeah. like so I'm just sitting here like, like that was for you yeah <laughs> and you don't even know what to do you're just like oh my god <laughs> that's so yeah, I'm convinced your sister came and got her sure yeah of course that's so fun and I mean, there's everyone, it's crazy. Anyone who can talk to me at that point just mm-hmm. says like, my loved one is here. Usually they're like on the ceiling or they're at the foot of the bed uh-huh. and they just always describe just their loved ones coming to get them. And it's, it's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone does. It doesn't matter like what religious background they are. Sure. And it, it's just, it's always their loved ones. It's, you know, it blows my mind. It really does. Like hundreds of people. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. And I, I'll tell you that, that uh, experiencing that with my own family and hearing your stories and from so many clients having experiences like that, it's given me some peace in the true crime work that we do that nobody dies alone. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And even though, their passing might be violent. It might be scary. It might be a lot of things. We know that somebody's there to get them, you know, and to walk them home. And that's brought me some peace in studying some pretty horrifying cases and deaths of children and, you know, just awful stuff that, yeah. you know, you, you go to bed with at night. And I, but I've always taken that peace in going, I know that when they left their body, that they had people there that loved them and that they yeah. had that. It, there is a lot of peace in that, I think. I, I hope there's a lot of peace in that for a lot of people, you know. But it is a, it's a very interesting phenomena that, yeah, a lot of hospice nurses report. I had read years ago about a nursing home that had a cat that wandered the halls. And if he got in bed with a patient, you better call their family because that's when they were going to go. And occasionally you'd have, you know, patients or family that didn't like the cat. 
and they wouldn't want him to come in the room. And he <laughs> it's would like be, it's not how that works. <laughs> right. And he'd be a total jerk at the door because he wanted in. He'd dart under people's legs and yowl and carry on because he was there to do his job. But he was their little, uh, you know, <laughs> nurse of death that knew when somebody yeah. was close. And sometimes it would be people that didn't, uh, you know, they, they didn't per appear to be passing. Yeah, and that's he'd that's go get in their bed and happens. yeah, then they'd be like, wait a minute, uh, what's going on with Carol? Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's also what we don't know is so amazing. Yeah, and animals do know. It's crazy. It's even crazy to me. Like once someone passes, that the animal knows because I'm like, you can't tell a difference. They still look like they're laying in the bed. You know what I mean? But they know mm -hmm. and they yeah. grieve and it's crazy to me. They freak out. Mm -hmm. Animals do. Like they yeah. freak out. And I've had to like one wife was um, their golden retriever mm -hmm. was just wanted in there so badly to where dad had was laying deceased. And every time she would let him in, she would like on him and like start whining and she was oh. like you know i i don't want him to hurt him his body which i understand yeah, yeah. and i had to actually call our doctor and be like i don't know what to do this this dog is gonna bite the funeral home workers like i know it yeah. is like whenever yeah. they try to come get it and i don't yeah. want to like go to the wife and be like put up your dog you know what i mean like while she's right. grieving and he yeah. was like animals have to grieve actually so yeah. we had to let the dog in for like 30 minutes and he finally mm -hmm. came out and he was calm, but it was crazy. Oh, wow. They grieve hard. They grieve they really do. hard. Yeah. But I can imagine it would be a little upsetting to have him jumping up on the body. You know, that would bother me too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I understand that too. I mean, yeah, that's, and they know they're not stupid, you know, they do. it's crazy. Know. Yeah. It's wow. definitely crazy. And I've actually seen a dog too go one time when their owner passed, like right when he like walked to the door and was like making little circles on the way. And it's like, it was like, you're going outside. And then he like jumped up on the door and was like whining, like, like someone had just walked out the door. It was, it was so yeah. weird, you know? Oh, wow. That's really interesting. It so is. They wandered out and he wanted to just go with them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really is. Oh, I love that. That story about the golden retriever is amazing. Yeah. Tell me about some times that you have had signs from heaven. You know, sometimes, and you'll know better than me, like, what is and what isn't. Um, but but maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I think that bluebirds are. I see them all the time, and I don't know why I think that. Honestly, I don't think that about other birds. Just every time I see a bluebird, it's like when I need it. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So I I don't know, but yeah. there is the story about the oven. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But yes, please tell that story. That's amazing. <laughs> This was so strange. So um, we had gone to Florida for the weekend and we went to the grocery store and we got home on Sunday night just to grab some stuff for the week. And I went in and I kept 
passing the frozen pizza section and we don't normally buy frozen pizza just because mm-hmm. we've got an amazing little local pizza here shop here that costs just as much like five dollars mm-hmm. and I kept passing by this frozen pizza that my patient ate all the time all the time mm-hmm. and I was just thinking like oh I wonder if that's good and then I was like no my husband doesn't like frozen pizza it's gonna be like we need to get from the local place I kept going by mm-hmm. and finally when I was gonna check out something was telling me like get that pizza (laughs) fine I'll get the pizza Mm -hmm. so I got the pizza we got it home and my husband went to call the local pizza shop Mm -hmm. and they didn't answer the phone which is always just so crazy to me it wasn't super late it just was like they were not answering the phone and I was like how convenient I got a frozen pizza and he was like all right um so I go to preheat the oven and it beeps which is crazy and I go in my husband's on the couch mm-hmm. and I go in the kitchen and the entire oven is on fire like the oh. entire thing is on fire and so I'm like yelling at my husband and he's grabbing fire extinguisher he's like get out of the house call him on one gotta get the kids you know get out yeah. of the house so he turned off the oven thankfully, mm-hmm. which is what they said saved our house, was turning yeah. the oven off. And um, the firefighters came. And then, of course, for insurance reasons, they had to do a whole investigation. Sure. Yeah. And so they said that we had a gas leak. Oh, and wow. they were like, how did you not smell it? And I was like, well, we were gone for the weekend and we forgot to take out the trash. So I thought that that's why the house smelled. Yeah. And they were like, if you would have not preheated that oven, you mm-hmm. all would be dead. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because everything that would have had to line up for me to preheat that oven, like that was not. Right. If we had decided to get rid of instead, if someone had answered the phone, it's just yeah. so crazy. Mm-hmm. Everything lined up because you were not supposed to be losing your lives in that situation. You were supposed to be here. And surely she was a part of your team, you know, yelling in your ear and nagging you to go get that pizza. And I absolutely believe in that. I do. That's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely, it's crazy. I couldn't even like believe it at the time. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, someone tells you like you were this close to death and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That is so wild. Wow. Thank God for that, right? Yeah, thank goodness. So then were you out of your house for a time? And So it really only were in the kitchen. And then uh-huh. this is like near the beginning of COVID. So no one would come deliver an oven. Oh. So we grilled out for a while. Couldn't really make carbs. I lost some weight. <laughs> <laughs> no red beans and rice for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're okay. That's amazing. Me too. Yeah. But if it's not your time, then by God, somebody's got to step in and help out. And I had read somewhere that one of your patients had said that uh, she knows that uh, when you pass, there will be a long line of people that will be waiting for you, but they better get out of her way because she's first. I yeah. thought that is so funny because as a medium, sometimes I'll see like a lot of people that want to talk to this person and sometimes they're not very polite. 
about waiting their turn. They have a message. They want to say it right now. And it just, it makes me laugh. But I was thinking about that going, oh yeah, you, you will have a fracas. <laughs> Besides your own family members that are like, hello. <laughs> but uh, I can't, I can't wait to see them, honestly. You've been the escort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been hard going on with Adam, especially writing this book and reliving those stories. I w- wish I could read read them my, the stories about them. I wish I could show them yeah. how they're affecting other people, show them my videos, you know, so badly. Yeah. I know oh, they're peeking over your shoulder. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the book. Yeah. So I'm doing... 13 stories um, that really changed my life, my perspective Mm -hmm. um, and going through really the first two years as hospice nurse and going from a Mm non-believer and the uh, experiences that changed that belief that there's no afterlife Uh and going um, to like a full on believer and then like really Mm -hmm. shaping and learning how to, care for people correctly and you know some of the crazy instances like I've mentioned before that I had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and at the height of my eating disorder I had a young patient just tell me like um there she was on her deathbed and she was like if I could go back I would eat all the cake I would spend all the time with my friends I wasted so much of my life on the treadmill and I didn't even like I didn't say anything I didn't tell her anything personal Mm -hmm. Like she had no idea like that I was going through that. And I just was like, I I didn't even ask her. It's just like, she just is like, I have to tell you, like Um, you need to change your life, you know? And and I haven't relapsed since that moment. Like it's Uh just so stories like that, that it's just, yeah, you know, because I don't really share my personal life with my patients. Sure. Yeah. But they change my life and that's crazy to me. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. So when do you anticipate the book will be done and on its way? So I'm currently talking to publishers. So uh-huh. hopefully someone will pick up my book and then I think in a year. Yeah. 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 That's usually, I think, the timeline. Well, you've done a brilliant thing because you've built your platform. You know, publishers these days, because the market is so flooded and because of all of the self-publishing too, the market's so flooded that uh you know, they want to pick up people that already have a platform so that they have a guarantee that they're going to sell books. And you are beloved on the platforms you're on. You have nearly a million TikTok followers. I don't even know about YouTube and Insta. I didn't go look, but I want to talk for a second about your BuzzFeed video. Oh yeah. (laughs) So you did a video for BuzzFeed. I'm going to tell you, I picked up on a small error on your website. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because (laughs) You said on your website that the BuzzFeed feature was up to 16 million views. Well, Missy, I'm here to tell you that you're at 26 million views now. That's That's insane. That is so cool. Yeah. It's insane. I love it. So they did like a four minute video of you talking about one of your patients, one of your experiences that was mind boggling and life changing for you. Yeah. 26 million views. That's crazy. Yes, ma'am. You will have a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> I have been telling them because that has been brought up. I've said it's not in the book. Literally, mm-hmm. that video, like, literally my husband was like, have you told about that crazy man locking you in the storage unit? And I was like, no, I forgot about that. 
<laughs> so I was like, I'll tell about it. And he was like, it's interesting. I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's crazy how much it. attention it got. It is. And people are obviously still passing it around, you know, and it's making a difference. Well, in that video, you have said that, you know, I have cared for people in the woods. I have cared for people yes. under bridges. I have cared for people wherever they were. And you said that even if you don't approve of their lifestyle or their living situation, no one deserves to die in pain. And I think that's probably the thing that grabbed people and like, you know, maybe uh, tweaked their own uh, consciousness a little bit, you know, but that also perked up my ears because I thought, wow, I hadn't even considered that you're out like in the trenches doing hospice in all kinds of places that you wouldn't expect, like in the woods. Yeah, under a bridge. I've done I've done a broken down ice truck in the woods. Wow. At least they had a roof. That's how I felt about the storage unit day. Hey, you got a roof. I mean, oh. come on. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? And yeah, the ice box person had a roommate. So he had a caregiver. Wow. Yeah, it was very interesting getting directions to that one. Said, go to the end of this road, the third tree, and then walk back until you see the ice truck. Oh, my gosh. So wow. these are the directions you get. So then people are like, you're stupid for walking in the storage unit. I'm like, no. <laughs> but it's the third tree at the end of the road. Yeah. That is so wild. So were they, they were living in a storage unit? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hey, it was cool. I mean, what's the difference, you know? Right. Not AC. They had a little mattress. I mean. They had shelter. Yeah. Better than the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And under a bridge. That's a new one as well. I have. I've taken care of people under the bridge. And I, um, that one of that ones in my book. Mm -hmm. um, because the community, I just loved. I was able to get him into a nursing home and he would not go. Oh, for totally free. And he wouldn't leave his friends. And watching them rally around him as he died was really special. Wow. It really was. Yeah. And them having to walk to a payphone to call me whenever needed. And mm -hmm. it just um, it was really special. It really was. I'll bet. And I would imagine that they, uh, you know, respected the hell out of you and appreciated you so much. They were so amazing. And, you know, I know there's people under there who were doing drugs and were all types oh, of sure. that. Okay. But I knew if if anyone hurt me, like, they would be dead immediately. You know what I mean? Like, they were they were so appreciative of me yeah. coming and being nonjudgmental. And yes. I wasn't scared to go there at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people would be, for sure. But yeah. you just charged in there all brave and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and how, how rewarding that you did. But yeah, I can imagine a lot of people would have showed up uh, with an attitude, you know, and been made it not a good experience. But uh, thank goodness that you didn't and, and got to, you know, benefit from it as well. What an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to check my notes because there were things I didn't want to miss. Yeah. I. Uh, Let's see. We've mostly got that, I guess. Uh, we did have a question from the chat from JR. She wondered if you've ever had a patient that recovered. I have. We have a couple of people who graduate from hospice is what we call it. Um, 
I think I only have one. I um, hate to say this. I look to see if they're still alive by checking the obituaries every couple months because I'm curious. Yeah, sure. And if they don't have one, then they're still alive, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, I did have one that was always crazy. Um, he started smoking marijuana and stopped eating meat. Ah. And he recovered. He's still alive. I checked like last month. Wow. And that was like four years ago. <laughs> you checked last month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's crazy. He really was. Like he was about to die. That is amazing. And he's read some book. Uh-huh. Cut out all meat. Like mm-hmm. almost all sugar, not all of it. Like almost mm-hmm. all, except like the fruit sugars, you know, like yeah. unnatural sugars. Uh huh. And he started smoking weed. I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always people's prayer, you know, but uh, unfortunately, it's not typically the ending we get. But how amazing to see it in action. It is. And, you know, and my mother in law was sick. I told my husband that, of course, he already knew. And he tried to get her to stop eating meat and, yeah. Smoked weed and she wouldn't do it. She's like, Look, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna eat my meat and I'm not gonna be high. And you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a risk to be like that too. You oh, know, it is. yeah, yeah. I'm not blame sure. her. Yeah. Well, but that's everybody should get to choose, you know, mm-hmm. what, what their passing looks like if possible. And if that was hers, that was hers. Mm-hmm. I, because of the field I work in and we do a lot of energy healing and things like that. When my parents had cancer, a lot of other healers were kind of ugly with us. Really? Like, I can't believe you'd allow your parents to do chemo. I'm like, it's not my body. It's theirs. It's not my choice. It's theirs. Like you can't, everybody gets to choose their health care. That's not yeah. my decision to make, you know, but I've been amazed how often you see that from people, you know, that they take a really hard line about someone else's, you know, experience. And I think that you're just wasting your time doing that and cheating your relationship at that Mm -hmm. point. That's not the road you want to go down because this might be the last, you know, thing you have with that person. So why? Absolutely. Again, as a a society, we are very strange about death and dying. Mm -hmm. We definitely are. However, I think it's really interesting that like through your like social media experiences, you have like people that are coming out of the woodwork and in any one of your videos, when you read through your chat, you know, or your comment section, so many more stories are pouring out of people that want you to hear their story, you know, and and, or want everyone else to hear their story. And I think that that piece of normalizing death and dying Mm -hmm. is probably one of the most, uh, you know, profound things that you're doing because it's making it less scary. Yeah. And I didn't even mean to it just kind of all fell in my lap. And, you know, I was telling um, a, a book publisher this actually earlier today, I was, you know, saying that um, I was kind of afraid to tell people what kind of nurse I was when I first started. And then I, cause I was usually when I tell people, people are like, oh, that's sad. And then they change the subject. Yeah. And so when I told people and then their response was what it is, I was like, it's, it's helped my heart so much to be able to finally feel like these stories that have changed my life are like helping other people because for so long they've just been like, Mm-hmm. my heart and I want to just like tell everyone like but my friends want to talk about like the newest wine 
you know, it, it <laughs> you know, or the shirt they bought, and right. there's nothing against them. Right. But it's um, and how these are going. I had a patient die last week, and let me tell you, <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> so it's been so good for me to you know have this community yeah. and feel like um, they're making a difference beyond yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. Well, I fervently believe that people find the things they need when they need it, right? And so you're attracting to you people who have experienced this and their hearts are still broken or that are going to be experiencing this and they need that guidance or, you know, what have you. But there's that resource just right there, you know, on the Internet. It's a really powerful thing. One of the things you do on YouTube is you give advice to new nurses, which yeah. I think is beautiful because, uh, you know, obviously you received plenty of advice down the, you know, throughout the years. And I think it's really cool that you do that. For someone who would be considering entering hospice nursing, what would you want them to know? I think a lot of new nurses message me and they say, should I go into hospice nursing? And I always say no. And I hate that because I know new grads are always looking for their home. Yeah. But the reason I say no is because you're alone. And you don't have another nurse down the hall to say, sure. hey, come listen to this. Is this what you're hearing in these lungs? Yeah. And you don't have the doctor there to be yeah. like, hey, come look at this. And I think you need at least a year of mm -hmm. that feedback when you're on your own. You know, because mm -hmm. nursing school, you're like a little duck. Like you don't get any, yeah. you don't get any alone time with the patient at all. Mm -hmm. And I think you should be alone, but also have that sounding board. And so yes. I hate it, but I think nurses should start in the hospital. I know mm -hmm. it's not the funnest place to start, but at least you have that community there. I um, don't like it when the companies I work for hire new nurses because I think it's setting them up for failure. Uh-huh. So. Well, that's a really good point. That could run really good nurses out of the field that mm -hmm. can't handle that because it's too much, too fast. It yeah. is. It absolutely is. And families are so emotional. And if you can't, sure. if you haven't learned the dynamics of doing it with the the 20 year, your senior nurse who comes and talks and says, okay, all right. You know, yeah. like we're not going to do this. And you mm -hmm. get to like stand behind her and be like, okay, I'm learning, you know, yeah. You yeah. handle, um, someone saying, I'm going to call adult protective services on you. If you don't start doing CPR right this second. And oh, you're like, uh, signed it. I was there. I'm not doing it. That's mm -hmm. too much for new nurses. It is. Yep. For sure. Well, that's actually extremely good advice. And I think, uh, I, I hope that they heed that and give themselves that time. Yeah. But I'm sure that uh, getting a job in hospice may be a little easier sometimes than at the hospital because mm -hmm. not everybody wants to work in hospice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a double-edged sword, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. What about families that uh, have someone that's entering hospice? What is your best advice for them embarking on that journey? I would say to rest when you can. It's almost like being a new parent. You know, it's you don't know what's coming. Like it's you know it. You've been in their shoes. Um, yeah. It can be really tough. Mm -hmm. And you know, you should rest when you can. If someone offers to come sit with them, so you can go 
do grocery shopping, take a mug on it. If someone says, can I bring you a meal? Say, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a village. It's, it's really almost like having a baby, you know, I hate to put it that way, but you know what I mean? But it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And allowing help. Mm -hmm. is huge. And so many of us that uh, will take on a caregiver role, we're the caregiver by God. We don't, ask for help. We don't typically accept help. No, we're fine. But you know, maybe <laughs> you're not as fine as you think you are. Yeah. I love that advice to let help come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That That's, that's my really biggest good. thing. And to have the conversations before you can't have the conversation, like, yeah. um, especially about their wishes, but even so just like say it to them, like, you know, mom, you were, you are an amazing mom. Yeah, you are such an amazing mom. I see so many people wait until the funeral and they get up there and they pour their hearts out. And I'm like, your mom had no idea how much you meant to her. Yeah. I wish you would have said this a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Getting those things said. And even after they're not conscious, you know, and hearing that still getting those things said, it's so important. You told a story recently about a mama that was just hanging on for her daughter to get there. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a a, a great testament to how often people do choose to some degree when they're going to step out, or at least they try. Would you uh, do us the honors? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one was really crazy how she, um, she went from being actually fine, another one, to just uh, passing very quickly uh, within a short amount of time. And um, I remember her husband calling the daughter who was driving there uh-huh. and being like, you know, come on, you know. And she was like, okay, I'm just a few minutes away. And he didn't want to tell her what was happening because she was driving for her safety. Yeah. Sure. And then she got in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's here. Thank goodness. And um, she was like, I'm going to put my stuff down. because She has no idea. She thinks mom's talking. She talked right. to mom a couple mm-hmm. hours ago, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm going to go put my stuff down, be there in a second. And I told her, like I yelled at her, which is just still so crazy to me, that I mm-hmm. yelled at her to come there right that second. And um, she came and she kissed her on the forehead and she passed immediately. Like she would have gone to the bathroom, she would have missed it. And yes. it's still just so crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. That she was right there. Yeah. Obviously mm-hmm. she was trying to hold on for her to, to get there. Yeah. Have you experienced deaths where people seem to be waiting for people to leave? Yeah. Yeah. I actually had one. This lady had breast cancer and her husband got on her nerves. Mm-hmm. I think in like a loving way. But uh-huh. Yeah, he got on her nerves a lot, yeah. and I could see why. He played the ukulele all the time at her bedside, uh-huh. and okay. um, <laughs> sometimes she wasn't up for that. Sure, <laughs> he was very annoyed with it, uh-huh. and he was just like very over the top, being like, "I'm gonna be here for you until you die." And she just kind of was like, "Oh my god, like I just want to watch like my TV shows and just like let me go," you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember jokingly. She said one time, she's like, leave me alone. And if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to die while you're getting a drink of water. And like away. And he laughed. And I remember telling him, I was like, she might actually do it. Like, 
I just want you to be prepared. And like, she does like, don't beat yourself up. Cause you know, that was like him. He was very, very, yeah. and, um, he went to the bathroom and she died. Oh, and, wow. And I was like, Oh, she did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too much. <laughs> How did you take it? He thought it was hilarious. Uh-huh. He thought it was absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. He was like, I can't believe it. He's like, I can't believe she did that. I was like, I told you, I knew she was going to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so wild. Mm -hmm. We have had some people wait on people though too. We have seen Uh that where the chaplain has had to come in. And because I've gotten points where I'm like, I have no idea how this person's still alive. It's not humanly possible. They've not Mm -hmm. had drink of water in two weeks or any Uh food. This is not... Mm-hmm. Not humanly possible. They've been in okay. coma. I don't know who they're waiting for. Like this is it's on you. This is your turn. I don't know what it yes. is. And we had that one time, and it turns out that they had a son in the military that uh, no one at the nursing home had told him how his dad was. And we finally figured it out somehow. And the chaplain did, mm-hmm. and called him and put him on speakerphone, and they. He talked to him. Of course, he couldn't talk back. And yeah. he passed. Sure. And we're like, okay. He, he needed. Needed that. To hear yeah. Him. yeah. Uh-huh. That's it's amazing. It, it's amazing to me that in your field of work, there's all of the medical that to attend to. But there's so much uh, emotional and spiritual to attend to, too. And you just kind of have to know that. Those aren't the things you learn in school. You know, that's just boots on the ground stuff. But uh you just, you start to know it, don't you? Yeah, you do. You really do. I mean, yeah. you kind of have to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's incredible. It really is. Well, I love that. And it, it is interesting to me that people, at least to some degree, do seem to be able to control that. Uh, when my mom passed, uh, we were not home. She, we put her on hospice on a Friday. And the doctor said, I think she's, we're looking at three months. The hospice nurse started on Saturday and said, girls, I don't see three months. I see three weeks. And she died the next afternoon. Uh, She was Mm. not going to be on hospice. She had no intention of, uh, you know, like losing control of her autonomy. And it wasn't happening. She was just way too independent for that. And because we knew things were about to get hard, we had taken our kids out for a fun day. And, you know, to let's go do something fun for a minute because things are going to keep getting hard. And we were on our way home and we did, had not had service where we were. And I just started to feel really, really anxious that we needed to go home. And we were two hours from home. So mm-hmm. as soon as we got service, I called my dad and I said, what's going on? And he said, listen to the noise she's making. And it was like mm-hmm. the death rattle, you know, mm-hmm. and he said, she's dying. And he's like, well, she ate lunch a little while ago, but then she laid down and just started making this noise. And I was like, dad, you got to call the nurse. She's dying. So we called the nurse and we were, you know, two hours from home. Of course, we're all driving like, you know, a hundred miles an hour and trying to, you know, get there. Get yeah. There. And I'm calling like my dad's siblings and her siblings and going, get there, please. He's alone. We're not even there. And, you know, and he had been telling her, you know, the girls will be here soon. The girls will be here soon. And we were only five miles from home when she died. But mm-hmm. I absolutely know that she didn't want us there. I, mm-hmm. I know she didn't. She knew it was going to be too hard. She knew that she did not want the grandparents or the grandkids to be there for that. I'm absolutely convinced that was her timing. 
when we got there, think that she waited to where you didn't have a long drive once hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think she just didn't want you there, but she didn't want you driving two hours either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She wanted to. Yep. And when we got there, everyone assumed we would be really upset that we had Mm -hmm. missed it. And I was like, first of all, we've all said everything we wanted to say. We were a very close family. There was nothing left unsaid, but I was like, if this is what she wanted, it's what she wanted. She got what she wanted. She didn't want us here. She didn't want a big emotional, like hard thing. That's okay. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just believe that that's, yeah, people, at least to some degree in at least hospice situations, you know, they've got some, some chance to uh, time that the way they want it. It's interesting. It it really is. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we have done what we do. We have talked down to the end of our show. So. Going quick. Right? I know. An hour goes by fast when there's, when there's good conversation, right? I know. (laughs) For sure. So you guys, to really connect with everything that Hadley does, just head over to nursehadley.com. You can connect to all of her socials there. You can see her, all of her links to everything she has going on. You can learn more about her big dream, her hospice house, and how you can, you know, keep an eye on that project and maybe support it at some point. And yeah, do it. I know you will. So <laughs> keep an eye there. Thank you so much for coming. This has been an absolute Thank you for having me. Joy. I had fun. Absolutely. You bet. How wonderful. All righty. Well, you know what? Let's answer these questions really fast. Yeah. At uh, Cooper's. She said, have you ever had any deathbed confessions that were a surprise to the family? Yeah, they're not very heartwarming. But <laughs> <laughs> I did have someone say one time, and I've thought about doing TikTok on it. I just don't feel like it right now. But um, I did have someone one time say, I'll never forget this. He looked at his wife and me and said, I hit that kid on purpose and apparently the kid is fine and is alive or I would not be smiling, but apparently we like said that he was in an accidental, like hit a kid on a bike one time uh-huh. and he like confessed on his deathbed that he did it on purpose. Oh my gosh. <laughs> saw the kid I really wanted to hit him and I was like oh my god oh my gosh I call the police and <laughs> tell them and oh so I had to tell them I'd been like you know I'm not a chaplain like I have to tell people like yeah. I'm not or your lawyer and right. he was like I don't care and I don't think anything ever came of it oh but my gosh. I was like oh my gosh <laughs> That is too funny. Thanks, Cooper, for an awesome question. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and end it here. So thank you guys all so much for being here and for everyone listening uh, later on the podcast. Thank you as well. Please go find Hadley on our socials. If you yeah. are on TikTok, you got to go follow her and everywhere else too. So 
Again, thank you so much for being here. This has been so much fun. Guys, watch for a couple of pop-ups this weekend. Christy will be back. Um, I am not traveling, so I should throw a pop-up out there too or should be able to. And we'll be back next week with all new shows and all the good stuff. So you have been listening to The Psychic Hour here on True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Thank you.